Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Kalpna Sutha today. So a big welcome to you, Kalpna, and thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be here. You're more than welcome. Kapna is an author and award winner who runs her own business, coaching and training others to achieve personal growth by balancing family and career through various strategies. I know over my time that's something I could have done a lot of help with. So Kapna, please tell us more about you, your story, your business, and how you help others, including the charity BodyWise that you're involved in. Awesome. So I have a company, it's called Uncensored Society. I know, I know people are like, Uncensored Society, what is that all about? So what I do is actually coach people on five main pillars of business, okay? And that's sales, marketing, finance, operations, and leadership. And I do also like to focus on, you know, the, the mindset, um, especially when you have those people that are just starting a business, want to scale up the business. And sometimes your mindset can kind of, your know, emotions take over. And we need to make sure, we need to maintain ourselves. We need to make sure the MOT in our body, our mind, right, is kind of, kept up to scratch because sometimes life can just take us in a d- different direction and therefore sometimes emotional you know things that's going around in our lives can take be the better of us right so mindset is definitely a starting point in yeah. anything that you do not just yeah. business right well, well, I told you. right and also yeah we need to find that career life balance right because we all know, right? and you know, it's happened to everybody, especially starting out and growing and scaling your business. The minute you start putting all your time and energy into your business and you start neglecting your family, don't think they're not going to tell you. They're going to be the first ones to tell you what's going on. We never see you. You're always working. You know? You're trying to get your time. And therefore, trying to find that balance so you don't upset your family is definitely crucial because the minute your family life start getting affected, guess what? Your business will start being affected as well. Okay? I think it's also important to remember why you're in business. You're, also, you're usually in business to have a better life for you and your family. Exactly. And business owners often forget that because they get uh, embroiled in the day-to-day uh, activities of the business. They do, especially when they first start snap, because I guess when you first start snap, you're wearing as many hats as possible to try and get your business off the ground, right? And then the thing is, when it gets um, bigger and starts growing, it doesn't actually change. No. You still, then you have more and more things to figure out, right? And so we've got to make sure we find that balance. Now, the reason why it's called Uncensored Society is because the type of coaching um, that I actually provides 
it's very it's for people that are all really relentless right meaning that my program is application based only because the types of people that I am looking for are the ones that are determined committed and they want to produce results now if you're going to be one of those people that keep finding excuses why you can't do something or why you can't grow your business why you can't start a business then my type of coaching will not be for you how would you identify that type of individual at the very start? Because what you don't want to do is make a, st- a start. Ideally, then you find out that somebody is not either fully committed or easily distracted and not focusing on the, on the job at hand, really. Right. So I first get them to fill out an application. I'll read their application. And then we get on a call, a strategy call, and then have a conversation with them and see where they're at, where they want to be, what has actually stopped them, what, what kind of frustration struggles they have in their business, why, what is their real why, why do they want to start a business. Now, sometimes people have been very good at telling me what I want to hear, okay? It does happen. And whilst I've been working with them on the program and they've not actually followed instructions, they're, they're kind of being, you know, lazy and then giving me all excuses, if that happens and it's um, being repetitive and, you know, that's become their common behavior, I have no issues with telling them, sorry, I can't have you in the program. Here's your refund. Okay. I, will, I will have to do that because at the end of the day, I want to see results and I'm sure all my students want to see results too. However, if you're going to be one of those individuals where, you know, you just think, oh yeah, I can pay for a program and everything's going to be fine. You know, someone else is going to build my business and, is all going to be perfect. That's not the case. And I have had a tendency of, you know, if you're not going to do something, I'm going to kick you up the backside and we're going to have a conversation and you may even cry. Okay. But again, that's why it's called uncensored society. That's why I'm looking for people that are raw, real, relentless, because if this is not the type of coaching that you want or that you feel that you can handle right now, then I'm not your coach. Do not come to me. Do not book a strategy. Call me. Do not fill out an application form. Go elsewhere because I'm not going to be one of those ones that's going to pat you on the shoulder and tell you life is going to be fine. Life isn't easy. And I don't think you're going to business lightly. So you need to be committed because it's very much down to you. And if you're not committed to make things work, then you would question why you're in business in the first place. Exactly. Yes. But a lot of people I find, especially now with the pandemic, mm. um, everybody wants to go into business themselves because they realize that a job really isn't secure. Yeah. Right. But they've not really thought about what it actually involves. And that's when you're having the conversation and, you know, you're having the strategy call, this is the kind of things that you kind of need to make sure they're open their eyes to before they actually go into business and see if this is something they actually want to do. So is, is your service mainly focused for new entries or is it more somebody's been in it for a little while or is it something more established? Right. So it's for everything that you've just mentioned. Okay. So for startups, it's for people that maybe got a few, you know, a few people hired in their business got a few a small um team and i've also worked with people that you know six seven eight nine figure businesses and they want to continue to scale up 
And so I've got a varied um, amount of experience. I've worked with people internationally. Before the pandemic happened, I was living out of a suitcase, quite happily, to be fair. And I was actually living in Bali and kind of worked with Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, you know, Australia, all over, moved to Costa Rica. And that's a completely different story. I've got to tell you about that in a moment. But when I made the decision of going into business, I mean, I never realized business was something that I guess I was searching for, looking for. Most of my 20s actually jumped from job to job to job yeah. to job. And each one of them being completely different to the last, right? And so I worked in like a magistrate's court. Then I worked at a college. Then I worked as a youth worker. Then I worked in events. And so it was completely different. And a lot of the time, the adversities that you go through, right? When everyone else around you is telling you, you're not living right. You need to find a job. You need to settle down and then you retire and then that's, that's life. And I'm like, well, no, there's got to be more to life than that. That can't be it. And so as I was going job to job to job, the very last job before I actually left and decided that I'm at, I, need, I need something else. It's got to be more to this. I was actually a police officer in London. And I never realized, I mean, I learned so much from this job because a lot of the things that I actually saw for my own eyes, people only see on TV. You know, and I've always wondered, is what I see on TV, is that actually, does that actually happen in real life? And you know what, some of the stuff I've seen, it's just insane. And again, I've got loads of stories about that, but I won't <laughs> go into all of that right now. It sounds, um, it sounds to me as if you've, you've gone through a period in your 20s where you've done various different jobs and discovered, you've gone through a, a sort of an apprenticeship in a sense of all the things you don't want to do. You've realized exactly. it's not ticking your boxes, your yeah. life, and what is that? It's, but it's not working for somebody else, or certainly not in the roles that you were in previously. Right. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time. But I knew that what I was doing was actually, I was bored of it. It wasn't keeping me challenged, yeah. right? It wasn't. So once I got used to something, I was like, okay, what's next? What else can I do? You know, and I got bored very easily. So then I jumped to something else, learned something else, learned that. Okay, now what do I do? You know, and so it wasn't until I got into my 30s that I was like, okay, I need to change this. And being, being a police officer, I guess, kind of tipped me over the edge. And I didn't realize how much of a toll it actually took on my body, hmm. mentally and physically. And so I was doing it for about six and a half years. And well, why physically? Is that because of you were, I don't know, in terms of when you're dealing with Joe Public or whatever role you were in, you, you were actually in a physical type of role? Not necessarily. I think it was more to do with the shift work. Right, Your okay. body is constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to catch up, yeah, yeah. right? And you can't see this because we're on Zoom. But I'm actually four foot eleven, right? <laughs> so I'm tiny. <laughs> you look taller than that on Zoom. It's strange. I, I do, but um, when I tell people this, I'm police officer at a live event. Oh my god, people's jaws just drop. And so, oh god, when they were trying to suit me and beat me with my uniform, they had to custom make it because they were that we've never, we don't have a met vest that actually would fit you. <laughs> it was so tiny, <laughs> but. 
it, it took so much of a toll on my body that I remember waking up one morning and jumping into a shower and as soon as the hot water touched my skin, it just started burning. Really? So I jumped back out and I ran to the mirror to find out what is going on and I've seen my whole body's come out in a rash overnight. Like the night, you know, when I went to sleep, I was perfectly fine. And then this is what happened in the morning. And so I'm thinking, oh my God, what the hell's going on here? So I called up my friend whose mum is a nurse. Yeah. And I told her, you know, I've just woken up with this rash. And she just told me, get to the hospital now. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why? What's going on? She's like, get to the hospital now. Stop what you're doing and just go. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I went to the hospital, had all these tests and everything done. And I was waiting in the consultation room for my doctor to come in to tell me what's actually going on with me. He walked in and the first thing he said to me when he saw me sitting in the consultation room was, you're lucky you got here when you did. So I was like, what, what were you talking about? What's going on? He goes, if you didn't get here when you did, then your throat would have closed up. So at that point, I was thinking to myself, holy crap, what if my throat closed up while I was asleep? I would never have woken up the next morning. Mm-hmm. So then I asked him, I was like, how did this happen? What is this? What's going on? And he goes, this type of rash is very common when you are overly stressed. Yeah. And so at that point, I was telling myself, okay, I've got to do something else. This isn't working for me, clearly. And so I decided to quit my job. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't know what I was going to do next. But I knew what I'm doing right now isn't going to be healthy for me, isn't healthy for me, and I need to change that. And so I figured, okay, I've got enough money for six months to figure this out. Yeah. And so the next chapter, I left the corporate world. The next chapter was me trying to figure out what it is that I want to do in business. I was like, okay, maybe I should start my own business, but what does that look like? I have no idea. I've not been involved in business. I've always had a job. So now I'm on the journey of trying to figure that out. Scary. And you know what? I guess at that time I was more excited because I didn't know what to expect. And it's so funny because people say, or I said, things, things happen by accident. But people will say no. it's never an accident, yeah. right? And the minute I left my role as a police officer, all these doors started opening up. Yes. And I'm thinking, oh my God, so all I had to do was leave my job and all these opportunities are coming my way. Why didn't anyone tell me this before? Well, it goes, it's <laughs> got to come at the right time when you are ready. Right. That's the difference. Exactly. And so all of a sudden, my, so I've got a few friends that were in the events industry. And so my friends are telling me, right, if you're not doing anything, just come down to this event, just meet people, right? And I'm like, no, 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 I can't be bothered with all that. They're like, look, if you don't like it, then leave. So I was going down to this event and there were like bankers there, you know, people in finance. My, my bad, exciting people. <laughs> you know, all suited and booted. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, this is not something I'm familiar with at all. So anyway, I remember going to the bar, sitting down, getting myself a drink. And this guy came up to me. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, here we go again. And he started asking me, he goes, you know, what do you do? What's your experience? What are your qualifications? And I'm like, hold on a second. This is a really weird chat-up line, right? And then I said to him, I go, you know, who are you? You're asking me all these questions. I've answered them, but who are you? 
And he worked, or he was a member of parliament. Okay. And I was like, okay, amazing. I don't, and didn't recognize him, didn't know his name. And so he goes to me, you would be a great member for you to join my team. And this was just before the elections, right? And so I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I think you'd be a great addition to my team. Why don't you join? And I'm like, really? I'm like, who just comes up to you and just offers you a job? That doesn't happen, right? Normally you've got to fill out an application, go for an interview, because that's what I learned. And so he was like, yeah. So he took my details down and I left my job on a Friday and I started this one following Tuesday. Really? I was a yeah, campaign manager. For Liberal Democrat, underneath. Was it Nick Clegg? <laughs> so he's up there and you were down there as well. <laughs> yeah, huh, this is interesting. But to cut the story short, what I really learned about politics was that there's a lot more criminals in politics than there were in those prisons, right? And so basically that wasn't for me either. It was exciting to see what goes on, what happens. But no, that wasn't for me at all. Well, what you've been, and, what you've been doing, subconsciously or unconsciously, is that you've been gathering experiences all the time. Oh my goodness! Yes, I have, and that is what helped me to get to where I am today. But back then, when you're when you're in that journey, you don't realise this is what's going on, and I guess that's what the plan was all along. And so. After the elections, I was like, okay, yep, goodbye, that's done. And so I'm now on the hunt to kind of figure out what's out there now. And in my journey, while I was a campaign manager, I met this girl um, and she was telling me she works in events, it's business events. And we got talking to, and then she was like, yeah, you should totally join our team. And I'm like, oh my God, this has happened twice in a row now. How, that never happens, right? And she's going to me, yeah, let me take your details and I'll give you a call next week. And I'm going, yeah, right, I'm never going to hear from her again. She called me up and she tells me, we've got an event in London, UK. You need to come down and speak to um, the management team there. So I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else. You know, let me go down and have a chat with them. Yeah. A chat, amazing people. It was actually an American company. So they were all American and they came and they flew down for this event. And so I spoke to them, was just meant to be there for an hour, ended up being there for like five hours because we just hit it off, right? They loved watching the bill, right? And then me as an ex-police officer, well, they loved all of that. And so they then gave me a call a couple of days later and they said to me, right, you're hired, you need to pack your bags and you need to fly to Malaysia, we've got our next event there. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, I was like, what about flights? What about hotels? They're like, no, the company's covering all of that. You just got to make sure you're on the plane. So I was like, oh my God, okay, wow. So I went to Malaysia, and that's basically where me being an entrepreneur and kind of finding my way and business all began because now I'm going to these live business events internationally and actually listening to these gurus, these these experts on stages talking about digital marketing, talking about online businesses, all of that good stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, okay. So this is where I'm meant to be. This is where I'm meant to be learning. One of the first things I learned on this journey is that, oh wow, in the corporate world, you have bosses. In the business world, you have leaders, 
right? Yeah. And Very I was good, like, yes. And I was like, well, that's what I was missing because a lot of the time when I had these bosses in the corporate world, I was not able to see eye to eye with them at all. It just did not make sense in my I, mind. I know that feeling. <laughs> you know, and, and it just didn't work. And so now I was like, wow, okay, these are leaders. These are people that know how to hire the right people, know how to, you know, grow their team and actually kind of hold them by their hand and show them this is what business is about. And it's funny because in college I actually studied business and it's nothing like the real world. Yeah, I've done a business degree for my sins and <laughs> it's, there is no correlation between a college degree in terms of business compared to the real life. Nothing much. Right. But the thing is, no one prepares you for the real world, yeah. right? I mean, as much as I love my parents, but they only know, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you go to uni, you get a full-time job, you retire, and that's it, right? So now I'm like, okay, so for many years after that, I was just going to events, to, you know, different events all over the world, living out of a suitcase, loving it, learning about business, and meeting people all over the world, I was just like, I just felt like I was on top of my game. I was like, finally. And so as I kind of developed myself, I then became lead when it came to events and sales. Mm -hmm. And then it's made me laugh because when I said to people, okay, I think I want to go down the events um, industry. And people are like, you have no qualifications. You have no real experience. No one's going to ever hire you. And now I'm in charge of international events and sales. Amazing, right? And so I, I was given the opportunity to move to Costa Rica from Bali. Is this and with the same group or is it, have you changed events teams over the years? Oh my God. So I've, I've changed so many yeah. events teams over the years. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, it's been really cool because I've kind of been able to meet people all over the world, different cultures, different strategies, you know, uh, how people in Australia and Costa Rica in different parts of Asia, how they all work and how business works and what it all means. And really when it comes down, it's very, it's all very similar. It's just the culture, the background yeah. that's different, right? And so I moved to Costa Rica and I was like, oh, this is amazing, right? So the company um, paid for my apartment there. They pay for food, they pay for drinks, and then I got paid on top, like amazing. And so that, okay, I'm going to be out there for a few months. I was there for three weeks and the company went bust. The company went bust, which meant I had to move out of my apartment, right? Because they were paying for it. I had no food, I had no drink. And I wasn't meant to be going anywhere, going back home for a few months. Yeah. So now I'm stuck in this foreign country. I don't have anything apart from my suitcase. I don't have the money. They owed me $20,000. I lost that because the company went bust. Never got paid. Never will see that yeah. money. Yeah. Um, accounts got frozen. And so I'm like, great. So what do I do now? What happened? I'm stuck here. And I was with two other team members there who were pulling out their hair and didn't know what they're going to be doing. 
we're, you know, we had to figure out how to leave the country, right? Now we've got to kind of figure out how we're going to pay for our tickets and change yeah. our tickets and all this kind of stuff. And that wasn't going to happen overnight. We had to figure out how we're going to eat and drink and have shelter. And when this happened, no word of a lie, I could not stop laughing. I, and they were looking at me, they were like, what's so funny? Like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. And they said, how did you come to that conclusion? I was like, well, think about it. All these millionaires, billionaires that are out there, right, they've gone through something very similar to this. They've either lost it all, they've yeah. gone bankrupt, they've done all this. So, go, so that means I'm on the right path of being a millionaire now, right? You've ticked one of the boxes. <laughs> this is it this is this is where where i kind of start making my millions now yeah. you know and they're looking at me like what's got into you and i'm like and it could be worse i go we're under the sun it's really hot we've got palm trees we've got the beach worst comes to the worst we just sleep on the beach right because this resort this hotel was on the beachfront yeah. there's many other restaurants and hotels there so now I'm like, I knew I was going to be okay. You know, when your gut tells yeah. you everything's going to be all right, this is just temporary. Yeah. But now what that, what happened was it allowed me to kind of get into that entrepreneurial mindset, think outside the box and see this as an opportunity and a way to survive. Cause that's what it was. Basic essentials. You need to know how to survive. It's another and challenge that you have to overcome. I think you can either crumble or you can rise to that challenge. So. The thing is, when you do come across these challenges, and there's going to be several in business, right? And in life. There's going to be so many. They never stop. They never right. stop. In, yeah. Right. And what I learned is, because I didn't have that fear, because I wasn't worried, I knew this was temporary, it was going to be all right. I was able to get clear and focused as to, all right, what is my next step now? Okay, what do I need in order to survive? I need food, I need water, I need shelter. How am I going to get that? Now, I've been already in this industry for many years. I've learned from gurus many years. I've got more skills about marketing, graphics, getting leads in customers, communication, management. So what I decided to do, was go to this hotel, go to a few hotels and say to them, all right, this is what I can do. This is what I have been doing. I also got my laptop out and showed them the difference that the companies that I was working for has made the reviews on Facebook, all these people that came to these events and how they felt. And I showed them and I told them that I can actually help you bring in more leads, show you how the marketing tactics work, graphics what pulls people in what not to do and all of this i go but i need food water and i need shelter now after showing them all of this and they know it actually cost thousands of dollars what do you think the response was when i told them i would do it just for board and water food which they got plenty of <laughs> oh my god yeah definitely right and then i kind of had to was that right i've got two friends that can help us as well right all three of us need something right now right so they were like yeah they were happy to do that and then there were several other hotels and restaurants along the resort i was like we could do that with all of them and kind of figure out how to survive in this situation and that's what we did so we were there for a little while we was able to then raise some money change our tickets okay. then get back to home 
So my home was um, UK, London. Someone else was in the US. Someone else was in Malaysia, right? So that's what we had to do just to survive. But now thinking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, like if I can survive that, then pandemic, bring it on, <laughs> yeah, right? There's nothing that you can't deal with once you've dealt with something like that. And so it just, I think back and it just makes me laugh now, these situations. So one of the things that I've got to tell everyone, tell your audience is that you've got to learn to fail and fail as many times as possible and fail big and hard because the minute you start failing and you can overcome those failures then there's nothing that's going to stop you and you just keep going and you've got to be thinking outside the box you get creative you get you tap into the entrepreneurial mindset and figure out how to overcome those challenges in reality, yeah, a learning experiences and you learn oh, yeah. from them. And you tend to learn more from failures than you do from successes as well. So. Oh, definitely. Def- I mean, when you look at relationships, right? Some of the worst relationships you probably be in, you probably learned the biggest lessons yeah. from, right? And once you make those mistakes and you, you, know, you kind of fall really hard on your face, you're never going to make those same mistakes again. Right, and that's the same with relationship with life with everything. And so, don't ever fear of making mistakes and just do it, take the action. Whatever happens, happens, you've got to take the risk. There's always a danger that people don't take the risk because, by nature, they are very cautious with everything that they do. But there's always uh, the danger of uh, huge regret if you never achieve what you want to achieve in life, if you don't take those risks. So you have to take some risks, but they can be managed and they can be done in such a way that they may be baby steps, but as long as you're making strides to go forwards rather than standing still, uh, you will get there. And to me, me personally, I would like to get to like 60, 70, 80 and have all of these amazing stories to tell everyone on the ups and the downs of business and life, right? And actually kind of look back and be like, oh my goodness, you know, even though all these things happen, it's been amazing, it's been exciting, there's been a lot of ups and downs, and now I've got all these stories to tell people, you know? So I would rather do all of that and have these stories and just go for it and then see how far I can get, then be 60, 70, 80, and then sit down with regrets. Life is a little bit like snakes and ladders. And yes, you are going to you know, fall back down the ladder from time to time, but as long as you keep going, you will get to the end point at, at some stage. Right. So it's, uh, failure is not, not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Tell me what happened, Captain, once you've come back for, to the UK, for example. So how did you, your business then evolve from that point? Okay, so... While I started doing, I started realizing that while I've been in this industry, I've made a lot of contacts. So, and I'm not afraid to ask for help when I need it. And so after I get on the call, like, this is, this is my situation. This is what's happened. You know, I need to kind of get back out there. Are you hiring? Are you looking for people? What's going on? And so someone reached back out to me and said, you know what? There's this company it makes a million dollars annually, but they need someone 
to scale it up. They want to scale up. They're ready for it. And they want to start doing more live events. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, great. That where, where is this person in Australia? So I was like, perfect. Because I still had my stuff in Bali from when I actually moved to Costa Rica. And the plan was to go back to Bali. And the reason why I actually um, went to the UK for a little while was, guess what? Even though I had 30 pages in my passport, I ran out of pages. to have to go and renew my passport. (laughs) I still had another five years left on my passport. I just didn't have the pages. So I had to go back, get all of that sorted. And then I was able to move back to Bali, add my stuff there, and started working with this company. And so he already had a small team. And it was more like a, a family company because that's the kind of culture he had built. Yeah. However, now he wants to scale. When you scale, there means a lot of changes. And the team weren't very happy with that. Why can't we just carry on the way we are? Because we want to now scale and we can't keep doing the things we're doing if we want to yeah. get bigger. And so he was doing a few events. We made changes, we made tweaks different procedures, different strategies. We hired new people, new training came into place. And within four months of me working with him, he made his million dollars. So I was excited and happy about that. He was excited because now he's tripled his income. Instead of making a million uh, a year, he's now making three million a year. Right? And so we carried on working. And then in the end, I kind of felt like my time in Bali was done. I was there for about two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, okay, what I came to achieve here was done. But in that time also, I started, I say by accident, but nothing's an accident. I ended up starting an English school, right? At my villa where I was staying. What happened there was my landlady, who was a single parent at the time, actually, I think she still is, had two children and she could only afford to send one of her kids to English classes. And everybody wants to learn English because the better jobs you can get, yeah. the more money you make, and then you can support your family. Yeah. Right. And so she could only afford one of her kids to go to English. And she sent her oldest child to English classes. And then she had a younger daughter who was about seven years old and was so upset that she could not learn English. She wanted to go to English classes. And so when she was, she was telling me all of this, I kind of went up to her mom and I said, listen, if she wants to speak English and she wants to learn English, then why don't you just bring her down to my villa for an hour every day and I'd be happy to teach her English. Now, what I didn't expect is for this seven-year-old girl to go around telling everyone <laughs> that her friend is helping her speak English and the next minute I know is her cousins and her neighbours and her, uh, it started with one person and it became 13 people. So all of a sudden I've got an English school outside my villa and what was really amazing and the big difference I saw with people in the UK or in the Western world was that they were so eager and determined. They used to actually turn up an hour early and wait for me outside my villa for me to open the door so we could start our classes. But they were there with their book bags, their backpack, their pens, their pencil, ready to go. 
You have lots of apples or the equivalent of their brought to you every day. Do you know what they loved, right? And they used to always tell me, like, the first thing they told me they, they've done it was homework, right? I give them homework and they will throw it in my face. They, we did it. Take a look at it. Is it right? Did I do it right? Is mine better than his? Yeah. Is his? And I'm like, oh my, they loved homework, right? And that was one thing that they used to always kind of run up to me and tell me about. And yeah, so I, I used to do little things and treat them. And then what it was, I had some like British chocolates and British sweets yeah. I had, right? And I used to share it with them. And, you know, they've never tasted anything like it and they loved it. And so that's how I kept that going. And what I started to do after that was I came across this charity called Barley Wise that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And it got me so intrigued. I do like doing things where it empowers women as well. And so this charity, what they did was they brought these Balinese young ladies in, they educated them, they helped them learn how you don't have to be just housewives and you know have kids and do housework, that women are much more than that. Because that's what the culture is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And so I was like, great, this is an opportunity for me to kind of teach them something. And what people don't realize is that people that were, you know, in third world countries, Bali, Thailand, Malaysia, they're creative people. They've got tons of creativity. And so where I learned that some of these girls were great at sewing or they can make something beautiful out of scraps of material. I kind of went in there and started teaching them how they can start monetizing their skills. As small or as big as it was, they can monetize it. And so like creating little carts where they can actually do some fruit juices and selling that on the street, where they can get the scraps of material and that created um, dog mats because everyone in Bali has dogs, right? And so all these little things they didn't realize that were skills, just something that they did, it was a hobby, that they can actually monetize and make money to kind of better their lives and their family's lives was an eye-opener. And the challenging thing that I had was I was teaching these young ladies how to monetize their skills when they didn't even speak English, right? <laughs> so that was the biggest challenge. It was a lot of visual aids and hand waving and yeah. pointing at things and you know but then also that was another skill for me to kind of learn how not to let language barriers get in yeah. the way of teaching people you can that teach non-verbally can't you there's there's certainly a ways and obviously you've you've learned that you can you can teach people without that verbal communication definitely definitely and so that was um, an exciting time for me. But the minute I left Bali, kind of had to stop all of that. And then again, there was a lot of politics there. You know, some people liked it. Some people didn't. The CEO loved me coming in, but his office staff didn't. But then he couldn't stand up to his office staff. So there was a whole load of politics there that I wasn't you know, prepared to get involved in. So when I left Bali, I had to leave Bali Wise behind as well possibly maybe for a holiday a vacation yeah. but i don't think i'll move back there i think my time my time that i had there i kind of dealt with it i did yeah. it you've, you've done it yeah. okay 
I don't feel like there's anything else left for me there. And so it was time for me to move on. I'm actually looking to kind of move to the US now. And actually had my application um, in the process and the pandemic happened. Of course, everything, the whole world came to a stop, right? So I'm hoping to, to move to Vegas, in fact. And yeah, kind of build my business there as well. So you know, Vegas obviously bang up to date in terms of where you are now. So are you actually doing a great deal of work with new clients in the UK? Or is, and if so, obviously, you know, what types of clients are you dealing with? Or is it you are focusing mainly now going to the, to the States to start there? It's funny because most of my clients are actually Americans. Are they? Okay. Because a lot of my network are all in, America. You've got an international uh, network and the events obviously are massive in America. Exactly. And so I really don't have a huge community in the UK. However, I was like, right, it's a pandemic. Let me start building this community in the UK. But a lot of my clients are actually US-based. And the plan is, I mean, I love events. I'm hoping next year that I can go out there, do international events myself and actually meet these clients that I have and new clients and just having that um, human contact. You don't want to get rid of human contact. I feel great. And so where I am having to do, you know, Zoom group coaching and Zoom one-to-ones, I want to actually meet my clients you know, and speak with them. I think that that has a huge impact in business as well. And so that's what my plan is. Yeah, but that's both ways, isn't it? You need to, no, I need to to meet with my clients face-to-face. Things are starting to relax a little bit, obviously Mm -hmm. with safety measures. But the impact it's, it's, it has on you as an individual, and I'm sure it's the same on, on, the, on the client's end as well, is that you both feel so much better being able to interact face-to-face in a reasonably normal fashion, should we say, <laughs> yeah. than just virtually. Right. It's all about, as you say, it's all about that well-being in terms of having something that you both enjoy doing and part of that is that human interaction that you can't you, you can't replace that so no you can't not at all and you so mean, yeah go on sorry go on i was just going to ask you sort of obviously you've worked with many clients over the years so uh, what i was looking if you can because we are coming more towards the end of uh, uh, the show at the moment is some big successes that you've had with people that you've coached over the years. So you may not be able to name names, but it may be examples of where you've taken somebody from obviously the starting point to a point like you've given an example earlier, three times uh, the turnover, et cetera, compared to what they were. But are there lots of examples like that? Oh, there's, there's loads of examples like that. And not, so we spoke about like, you know, what success was and what wealth is and things like that. So success to me is very different as to if I can help someone not only make the money, but also be able to shift their mindset and help them gain a different perspective of what it was that they were doing that wasn't working and what they now need to do. And they actually come to that realization. And I think it's at that point that people just burst out in tears because they realize that they've been stopping themselves. Right. When I can do that, that to me is success in itself. Yeah, 
Okay. And there's been many people where they've, you know, come to me and said to me that their husband or their wives, you know, they don't want to go into business. It's a risk because maybe the ex-partners have gone into bankruptcy and now they're all about, you know, holding tight to that money and not kind of spending it and investing it and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one young lady telling me that she built her business. She, she, she learned the business, you know, game herself. She built it. This was back home. I think it, it was in the Caribbean somewhere. She built a restaurant and it was one of the go-to places and making a lot of money. And her husband, for some reason, didn't like her working, wanted her to be at home. And therefore, actually sold the business right from underneath her. She didn't know until one of her customers came over to her and goes, oh my God, what are we going to do without you guys? You know, where are we going to go eat now? We'll have to find somewhere else. And she was like, what? What do you mean? She's like, well, you sold your company. She, uh, she was the last person to know about her business. Everyone else knew. Yeah. And she came to the realization. Now, I'm not in the business of breaking up marriages. I really am. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. But just having a conversation with her and kind of saying to her, well, how much longer are you going to be able to carry on like this? There's clearly, you know, something inside you that you, you want to do better. You, you've on got a different, this on a different path to each other, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And how long are you going to be able to, you know, you're, you're being handicapped. Basically, you're not able to move forward. Uh, how can you carry? How long can you carry on like this? And so she made the decision. And I remember this. Oh my goodness! She she goes, "You're right. I'm going to come back tomorrow, and we're going to carry on with this conversation." She was already crying. You know, she was, there was tissues everywhere, mm. and she was like, "And I need you to help me, and I need you, your coaching. We're going to do this." So I was like, "Okay." And uh, we set a time and everything. And I remember waiting for her the following day. And she never, t- she didn't turn up. It was like nine o'clock. And she said she'll be at nine o'clock, ten past, quarter past, half past nine. And she didn't turn up. And then about 10 o'clock, an hour later, I see her coming in with her suitcases. Right. And she's like, I did it. I'm done. I want to start business. I'm going to start making money. I'm going to build this on my own. And no one's going to tell me that I can't do this anymore. And that to me was, whoa, she's just had a breakthrough here, right? She's good. She was determined. She was committed. And that to me is, that in itself is success. Now, the next part in building the money is the next stage. Yeah. Yeah, but again, it's about changing lives, isn't it? People realizing what's important to them. And sometimes when you're in a partnership, whether it's in business or uh, personal, uh, you're not always on the same wavelength or on the same path as uh, the partners. And so, sometimes it does hurt, but yeah. then there's a, there's a point where you've got to come to life okay, and think about, you know, who are the people around you that you need to keep and when yeah. do you need to do the spring cleaning? Sometimes you do, you grow out of people. It uh, happens. Yeah, life. yeah it, it happens. It happens, you know, if you, if you think of it from a time when you're in school, you don't have the same school friends. I mean, you, if you're lucky enough, some of you, uh, some of us will. But you will have many different friends over a lifetime. And they very rarely are they exactly the same ones you had when you were a child. Right. What a win, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny because I still have mentors for different areas of my business and life especially where you know things I know were my weaknesses I'm terrible at fitness but I know I have to do it 
right? To have coaches there. But one of my mentors, I was talking to him. I was like, you know what? Growing up, people constantly told me I was weird. People told me this forever. Like, I had managers, I had supervisors, my colleagues, even my family, right? Constantly told me I'm weird. And he was like, that was a sign. I'm like, sign for what? He goes, you used to get another group of friends. That's what that was. Yeah. He goes, yeah, he goes you've you got it right. He said to me, you've got separate circle of friends now. Do any one of those people tell you you're weird? I'm like, no, he goes, because they're at the same wavelength as you. Yeah. What's the, yeah. the old saying? If uh, uh, you are what you are, who you are with the, the was it the, the five people that you surround yourself with or something of that, of that sort of uh, nature? That's so. right. Yes. Yes. I have heard of that. And yeah, if you've got, if you hang around with five great friends, guarantee you're going to be number six. If you hang around with six rich friends, guarantee yeah. you're going to be number six. So yeah. that's a choice that everyone needs to make. Where, where do they want to be at? Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of leads me nicely onto my next question when you talked about success. So the question I always ask all of my guests uh, and the question is, what does wealth mean to you? So a lot of people get confused by wealth and being rich. Now, being rich means having an abundance amount of money. But to me, wealth means, yeah, you need to have money to survive, to help others, to work with charities and make the world a better place. But it also means to make sure your health is on point physically, mentally, that you have a healthy relationships, whether it's your, your personal life and your business life, and overall have an abundance in all areas of your life or as close as you can get to it, because all of that comprises of being wealthy. You can't help others without making sure that everything that's going on up there in your body is on point as well. The yeah. minute you start forgetting about all of that, there's no way you'll be able to serve people out there. I tell you what, what comes across with you, Kaplan, is that you've definitely got a wealth of, of experiences. You've got, <laughs> and it's made you who, who you are today. And that is, you know, what better way to, if you like, you your life going forward than going through a variety of different experiences, which is what you've, you've done. And, you know, probably a lot different to most other people will go through. It's all part of the journey. Yeah, you know, I've learned more in these um, few years in business than I ever did in the years in being in corporate. Well, you, you, you jam in more experiences in and different experiences in a very short space of time. So yeah, I can understand that. I, I can look back and I still, even with the ups and the downs, it was an amazing journey and I still look forward to the ups and downs moving forward because I know there's still going to be plenty of those. <laughs> well, it's a bit like saying that, you know, I all want to be happy all the time. Well, unless you know what sadness is, how do you know what happiness right. is? Right, and that's exactly where I appreciate my time as a police officer. Seeing all that negativity I can now appreciate the positive, no matter how small they are. Yeah. Right? So I feel like that the whole transition, the whole journey was for a reason, but you don't know what that reason is until maybe years after. Yeah. But you just got to kind of go through it and push through it, and then you'll be able to work out why this happened to you years ago. You know, even being in bad relationships, 
being in the worst relationships, I felt like a personal relationship where I, I was abused, I was battered. And the thing is, it happened at a very young time in my life as well. But then you learn what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate. Yeah, but you also recognize the signs as well, wouldn't you? So, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad that that happened to me many years ago because it's given me time to now develop and come out of that and not get stuck in that, in that past, you know? And with loads of people, it can happen to them later on in life and they, they just can't get out of that. But yeah. everything that you go through is happens for a reason. You just don't know what the reason is at the time. Yeah, sometimes it can be painful, but it's still a reason why you're going through it. Yeah, um, what you have to do to is learned. you have to take the lessons from it. The life is full of lessons, and they're there, as you say, for a reason. We don't always understand what that reason is, but if you learn from them, and not everybody does, but if you learn from them, you will come out uh, in a better place uh, than what you was previously. That's right. Yeah, and the little things no longer matter. I think uh, the pandemic has, has proved that to a lot of people who, even, <laughs> yeah. who didn't realize that before. I think a lot of us have realized uh, a lot of it through the pandemic is that maybe the little things uh, which we used to get uptight about no longer matters. Exactly. Yep. Definitely. Now, in, in terms of uh, people wanting to work with you, how would they, how best would they find you? Yeah, they can go onto my website. It's uncensoredsociety.com. All my contact details on there. They can email me or they can find me on Facebook at KSU. I've recently changed changed everything to KSUSA rather than Kalpnasutha because I'm finding that a lot of people are struggling with saying my name, pronouncing my name. So I've kept it very simple and short and just called uh, myself K moving forward. But if yeah, if you find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, oh, even Clubhouse, I'm actually doing rooms in Clubhouse on certain topics as well. You can find me on there. Just hit me up, send me a message, and I'll be happy to help. Okay, thank you for joining me today. Um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed your story, and I know my my listeners will as well. And I'm sure you're going to help more people. Uh, many more people on your journey and I'd like you to thank you for obviously coming on the show today wishing you uh, the very best in everything that you do thank you and thanks for having me on your show it's been amazing thank you my pleasure thanks for listening to today's episode you can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk, on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how? You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TTWath News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them 
I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.